Good morning, everyone. Oh, my, we're full. 8.30 was a little bit light. First reading from Isaiah, the, Isaiah, the prophet cheers up the exiles and, um, who returned from Babylon with a vision of a restored city, a re- restored nation, and um, that their hearts would be restored. And the prophecy is fulfilled uh, as Christians. We look through the lens of Christianity, the New Testament, into the Old and we see this, proce- this prophecy being fulfilled in Christ. And the new Israel is the church, really, when we um, think about it. And St. Paul writing to the, Epi- the Epiphany, the Feast of the Epiphany of the Lord. From the second reading, we find out exactly uh, what is this feast. And uh, it is the very fact that God invites Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles are everyone who is not a Jew, um, to share in the salvation, the salvation that comes through his only begotten son. And uh, the gospel, we see the Magi. Uh, these are the Gentiles that come from a faraway country to do homage to the Christ child and uh, foreshadowing in part the fate of the good neighbor. They had this, and, uh, but to the Gentiles, um, the Lord did something different. He used another means uh, to get their attention and to draw them uh, to himself, and the paradox being that the Jews who had the scriptures, the Old Testament, will eventually reject Jesus, while the Gentiles come, and with the help of those very same scriptures, in nature, find him and do honor to him. And my friends, um, Matthew's gospel, um, when we read it, it's filled with so much symbolism uh, that um, I joked with the 830 folks, and they got a little bit worried. And I said, look, I have 12 pages. And I said, if I do all 12, the snow will melt, and it'll be safer for you. But they did not laugh um, <laughs> at all. Uh, but there are different ways to approach our epiphany, uh, celebration with different meanings. Uh, at 830, I spoke about the scriptures, the Old Testament, uh, and about faith and how uh, the Gentiles, the Magi, had to travel, and they had to do so by faith. So it's a message of faith. Uh, for you folks, I'd like to talk about God's faithfulness. And uh, that's one of the meanings of the Epiphany story in all things. And my friends, I bring this up because if there's one thing that the human heart uh, desires greatly above everything else is to be able to trust someone, to love them and to trust them and know that uh, they will never let you down and they will always be there. They will not abandon you. And uh, someone who, uh, with enough goodness and love, and enough power, uh, they're able to keep their promises. And every one of us needs someone that we can lean on um, no matter what, uh, someone who we can go to no matter what, um, someone who will be glad to see us no matter what, and uh, someone who is always faithful, and um, that someone is God. The coming of the wise men Uh, to adore the baby Jesus is one of the Bible's most beautiful proofs of God's faithfulness uh, for us. It's certainly a great story of uh, of many things of faith, but um, more than 500 years before Christ's birth, his incarnation, God had promised through the prophet Isaiah that he was going to lead all nations to Jerusalem and to share in the light of salvation. And uh, he even promised that they would bring gold and incense with them. And uh, uh, through a different prophet from the Old Testament, he made the same promise in different words. Uh, the kings of Tarshish and the coast gifts. And uh, 
So my friends, uh, it was from this reading that often we think that there was three, but when we go back to Matthew's gospel, he doesn't say there's three. There's a whole bunch of them. It means a whole caravan of them coming. And uh, but in spite of 500 years of wars and migrations and turbulence that rewrote the very map of the civilized world three different times, God did what he said he would do. We see it symbolized in the Magi, the wise men, the nations. They represented different nations. They came into the light of salvation. In fact, they brought gifts, frankincense, myrrh, uh, gold. And um, this shows us that God is faithful to his word. Sometimes it is not the way we expect it. I'm sure that is not exactly the way they expected to see things unfold. As a matter of fact, I joked at the 8.30 and said, on that Christmas Eve, the birth of Jesus Christ pretty much went unnoticed by most, except for some shepherds. All of Jerusalem, business as usual. And the next morning, business as usual, they opened up the shop doors and sold their chestnuts and whatever else they were selling. And, and it didn't seem like anything had changed, but in fact, something had changed. And um, sometimes we have to understand, God had told us in the old scripture, my ways are not yours, and how I think is not the way you think. Um, so sometimes uh, we project, we use our words, we project on God how he should do things I do it all the time. I need a da 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 and this, and this, and this. My sense of humor. And uh, my friends, but it shows something else, that God is not faithful in the abstract, in thought only, but God is faithful to you and I. Our hearts are always starving for someone like that. Knowing that God is faithful in the foundational ways of our spiritual life, and as I kind of pointed out, in that, that very first Christmas, it seemed like nothing had changed. But in fact, something had changed. The streets still looked dirty. The people were still being nutty. So what changed? Our hearts. The light of salvation, the light of God entered in to the human heart and mind and began to change. And through that, Jesus would tell us, go and change the world now. And when I come back in glory, then will I address the other things. This is in the scriptures. This is not new thinking. This has always been there. So we receive joy then as a benefit of believing in God's faithfulness and trusting him. God reminds us today that we can count on him. He is almost begging us. Two men did. They trusted him following the star, and even there, Matthew says, when we go back and look, people think that the star rose and it just kept moving, 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 like one of those uh, um, movies uh, from TV. But that's not what it said. It said they saw the star at its rising. Then, with the help of scriptures, they went, oh, uh, there's something in, uh, in the sky. So Matthew doesn't tell us exactly. We inferred that the Magi were kings. They were not kings. The best thing they probably were were astronomers because they were looking at the sky and they noticed something was different. Something's different. Uh, we need something's going on here. So they 
began to search all the documents of their time, and they come across, well, here, there's this thing from this God of Israel to his prophets. Let us look at that. And they decided, where would you go to find out about that? Jerusalem. So they make their way to Jerusalem. And then in Matthew's Gospel, it tells us, once they have arrived and they talk to Herod, um, the star comes back again to show them exactly where to find this king of kings. You see what I mean, how we infer so much and we think about so many. And that's not what the scripture said. Here's what it said. And um, so they trusted. They trusted God. God spoke to them through nature. And then they used the scriptures uh, to find this newborn king. And even when they arrived, they find not a king as they would understand it. And the other thing, did you note about Matthew? He said they found the baby with his mother in a house. They're not in the stable anymore because it's not the same night, not even the same week. It took them a little bit longer to make that travel. So now they're somewhere else. But um, at the 830 Mass, I said, did you take note who's not there? Joseph is not there. Matthew said it's just the mother and the baby. And uh, I don't know how you feel. I'm like, well, why is that? And one of the theologians that I follow, he had something to say about that. He said the reason why Matthew is, says it the way he does is because Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. And he's making a point that way. Joseph is the adoptive father. And I thought, well, okay, that kind of works a little bit. Not really. Uh, but he went on to say, he's probably working. I'm like, oh, that works. That works for me. That seems very practical. He's probably looking for work. Um, but when the wise men come, they look, and all they see, they see an impoverished woman with a baby. Well, here's the star. This has got to be it. They make that leap of faith. Well, we're going to trust we're going to trust this God of Israel and everything that he says. And we know because they bow down before him. These wise men will not bow down before just anyone. They bow down before this child and his mother and leave gifts. And if we do the same, we shall have joy that cannot be taken from us. That joy was not taken from that caravan of the Magi. They left with joy even though they had encountered that crazy, that crazy. What comes our way? That peace cannot be taken from us. But we must trust and leave. We must trust God in all things and in all matters. We must trust that God's faithfulness and his love um, is constant and dependable. And in doing such, we will stay joyful in all things. And my friends, um, you know, I think about uh, just coming today. Today was kind of uh, it was kind of crazy outside. I mean, the, the, I needed, we need more rain to get rid of that icy snow, and people were walking in our parking lot. Only half the parking lot got, got shoveled. I don't know why. And the other half is covered in ice, and people were doing what I call the Yoda walk. <laughs> don't start, Father. I'm coming. <laughs> and, and then, of course, um, at the... I got an emergency call for an anointing. And uh, um, they said, you have to come. And I'm like, uh, I'm like oh, hang on, hang on. And uh, so I went in between the mass. And when I arrived, uh, 
the facility said, you have to have a COVID test before you come in. I'm like, oh, for... I'm like, hurry up. You know? And they're like, you have to do it. I'm like, oh, for crying out. You do it in the name of Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. <laughs> they said, now it takes 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, hail Mary for the grace. I'm like, Let me pray for the person I'm going to anoint. And uh, finally she said, just go. Because I'm like, go, go, go and anoint. And of course the family uh, were waiting. And uh, I anointed the, the woman. And on my way out, I was joking. And the nurse is like, bye, Father. And I said, well, what was my test? She goes, oh, you don't have COVID. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I said, I'll take that. She said, now, because I told them I'm leaving this afternoon to go to a priest retreat in California. And uh, I was, well, we were waiting for the test to develop. I said, oh, I'm going to get on a plane. She said, now you can go with peace on the plane knowing you don't have COVID. I'm like, I would have had peace no matter what. <laughs> so my friends, you know, this is what I'm talking, this joy, this peace. And I, when I got into the room, I told the family, I'm here to anoint your mother. And they said, Father, she's 100. And I was like, oh, mercy. She has seen so much, so much. I said, living to be 100, unfortunately, she escaped one pandemic but entered into another, you know, because she missed the Spanish flu. And, uh, and I said, everything's going to be okay now. Everything is okay for them. It is as it's supposed to be. Their confidence in God was absolute. They made sure the priest came to anoint and to give their loved one that goodbye. And uh, my friends, it brought up a story that um, a long time ago with John Paul the Great and St. John Paul, um, there's a story that was told about a year before John Paul uh, died. Um, and of course, you know, he had already had terrible health and um, the world was watching as he remained faithful to God uh, and uh, uh, to the church. And he kept joy in his heart and um, he couldn't move around much anymore and he could not speak clearly anymore. And uh, he became an icon of suffering. And I know many, I remember people said, well, what kind of God? But John Paul the Great, he, he loved God and he knew Everything was going to be okay. And uh, everyone knew that John Paul would not be with us much longer. And one of the bishops from the United States went to visit him. And uh, uh, he got there. And uh, at the end of the one-on-one -on -one meeting, that's amazing that John Paul was still doing that. But the bishop, uh, we were told uh, with great sadness in his heart, said, Holy Father, it saddens me to think that this is the last time I will see you. And John Paul, the bishop, said he looked up at him with a smile and said, Oh, really, Your Excellency, that's what he calls his bishops, I did not know you had such health troubles. <laughs> <laughs> you see that joy? That joy comes from faith and trust and confidence in God. This is the kind of joy God wants us to have always, a deep, abiding, meaningful joy even in the midst of challenging and uncertain times that we have. Because God is faithful, we know that whatever happens, he will continue to guide our lives to its fulfillment, even during times when we lose sight of the star. 
just as he guided that caravan of the wise people. God is always guiding us. But that does not mean the journey is easy. It was not easy for them. It's not easy for us. I would never paint that picture for you because that would not be true. But it is rewarding. And we know what the final outcome will be. The wise men left their homeland to follow a star. But right when it seemed that they had arrived at the destination, the star disappeared. That's why St. Matthew tells us they were so overjoyed when they saw the star again after meeting with that king, Herod. At other points in the journey, they had lost sight of many things. Probably doubt came in, why are we doing this? Where are we going? But they did not turn back. They held trust and faith in this God of Israel. And they would come now in the same situations with so many tough things that come that cause us to question so many things. But not God. Don't question him. Remain faithful to him. We know God is faithful and we, we should trust him. That's when we must exercise faith in God to remain, to keep following his will no matter what. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God has not and will not abandon his people. Our hearts can rest in God. He kept his promise. He always does. Proof is of the sending of his son, Jesus the Christ, and those who remain faithful to the end. Salvation and life everlasting is theirs. And that comes from the scriptures. My friends, um, one of the, sometimes people say, well, Father, since the birth of Jesus, what has changed then? If we still see wars and plagues, and what has changed is the human heart and the human mind. He's entered into our hearts and minds, and that has changed. The faithful have changed, and we go about making those changes until he comes in glory. And my friends, I look forward to that time as I went and I saw the anointed the woman who's a hundred who lived a long life here, and uh, she walked by faith. Otherwise, her family would not have called me. Um, well, she is going to go see the Lord very soon, and when she gets there, she will need faith no more because she will see him as he is face to face, and you will not need faith anymore. St. Paul says there you will have love, but you will not need faith any longer. So uh, may she have a safe and, and a joyful journey to the Father.